I don't know how exactly how long it's been now, but it's been several years. Jude used to have his ears blocked by earwax. We had no idea. It even seemed to us that he had a hearing problem until he was tested. In those days, we had a school, King of Glory. It even feels weird to say, in those days. But it does feel like it was ages ago when we had a school. They used to screen the students every year for dental, sight, and hearing. It was during one of those screenings that they discovered that Jude's hearing was not very good. And we didn't even believe it, but we went ahead and scheduled a visit to Cardinal Glennon. They too did the test, and he did not pass. So they flashed out his ears because they saw that the wax was blocking the eardrums. He thought that fixed the problem. But no, it didn't. The testing at King of Glory the next time showed that the hearing was still where it should be, was still not where it should be. Back to Cardinal Glennon, we went. Repeat, flashing, then testing. Again, not where it should be. The wax was still blocking those eardrums. So they referred us to go see an ENT. We were on Medicaid then. It took three months for us to see the specialist. And they came out with their special instruments to suck out those stubborn wax. They said that happened to some kids, and that sometimes it cleared up by itself when they were about 14 years. It took two visits to dislodge the wax. During the second visit, whilst I was waiting for the procedure to be over, a nurse, times that happens in a good way because of my accent. I told her I was pastor at Messiah. She was surprised, and she was not the first. That information often surprises people. I guess they find it hard to associate me, someone like me, with Messiah, let alone be their pastor. But I'm here because, well, this is Messiah. We talk some about numbers, which also comes up sometimes when you talk to strangers about church. I told her that we were not a large church, but we were surviving and thriving. She said she was a member of the journey over there on King's Highway. She said they were a large church and that she had been a member from when they were small. She liked it better when they were small because she knew people and people knew her. But now she felt anonymous. And as a result, she doesn't go as often as she used to. She said she missed the small church atmosphere and feeling. I can't remember if she grew up Lutheran, but she wasn't looking for a new church. So I did not invite her to Messiah. Maybe I, maybe I should have. Last week, we started our Pentecost sermon series with a number of Lutheran churches. As Pastor Steve shared, the idea came from Pastor Clader of Christ Memorial. But we thought it was a good idea to work together, even though our situations and circumstances could be quite different. We also know that some of our circumstances are pretty similar. The group is called the Acts Alliance, based on the things we see happening in the book of Acts among the first Christians. Now, we are not all the same churches, but we still share things in common, 
even though it may not appear that way. We, members of Messiah, love our church. We may not be in perfect agreement about everything that we do here or how we do them, but we still love our church. We love and care about our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. The members of the other Alliance churches also love their churches and the people in the same way as we do ours. They are at their churches regularly, and we are at our church regularly. Maybe on occasion you've worshipped at one of those other churches and noticed how similar or different they are from us. Regardless, we have things in common, as we should, because we are church, members of one body, the body of Christ. We see a beautiful picture of what the early church was doing in our Acts reading. They were acting as one, as a group that shared things in common. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. If this text was all that is written about those first followers of Christ, I would say that they were a perfect church, united in doctrine and practice. But we know it didn't take long at all for some serious conflict to develop. Now, I don't know if Luke intentionally placed this text in this way so that it came first before what followed. Whether or not he did, it is important to know what you are going to do before you put it into action. Even though you can sometimes plunge into things and still achieve great results, but them devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching was really important. You remember the actions of the apostles, sometimes being very resistant to something Jesus was teaching them. Other times, asking questions that we who are 2,000 years removed from them would consider not smart. We have learned from them. But are we a perfect church? Do we let things get in the way, in the ways of God for us? In our own personal lives, can we say without a doubt that we always please God? Negative, negative, negative. You also remember, of course, that those early disciples acknowledged their sinfulness and inadequacies before Jesus. Lord, increase our faith. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. You remember as well some of the most important statements made by some of them. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God, my Lord and my God. Jesus gradually and patiently brought them to the point where they were ready to preach and teach and heal in his name. Thank God he has preserved their teaching and it has come down to us and we have believed. The apostles' teaching is a standard by which what we believe, teach, and confess should be judged. No one knows or can know anything better than those who sat at the feet of Jesus and learned from him. We can preach and teach in many different ways and about many different things, but nothing we teach and believe should contradict what they have left for us. Now, we may not really like some of them, some of those, but they were there. What they have left for us are always true for doctrine and practice. Now, that doesn't mean we just pick up the Bible and read the words there. We must wrestle with how 
the Bible, with the Bible to apply it to our time and to our lives. We must meditate on God's word. It is God's gift to us and we do not cast it aside. We share this gift from God to us in common with our brothers and sisters in the alliance in city and county. The early church devoted themselves to fellowship and the breaking of bread. You get the impression that those early Christians got along very well. They enjoyed each other's company. When there was a need, they rose to the occasion. I imagine that in the church of the first century, there was plenty of those times because most of the believers were poor. They broke bread together. This could simply mean that they shared meals together. I venture to think that they were the first Lutherans. You've probably heard it said that the difference between other churches and Lutherans is food. COVID turned even that upside down for us. As with everything else, this fellowship that we have together is also going to come back as things gradually get back to normal. The early Christians devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. We share this fellowship together with the churches in the alliance. Now, the breaking of bread should also remind us of the Lord's Supper, the precious gift of our Lord's body and blood that we receive every Sunday here at Messiah. It is regarded in the same way as in the alliance churches. We all share this in common. Every Sunday, we confess our common faith in one of the creeds of the church. For a time, we confess the Apostles' Creed. It is the most ancient. What we confess through the creeds is as true today as it was back then. Nowadays, we are using the Nicene Creed. It is a longer confession of faith, but it, it is also as true today as it was when it was first written. Through the creeds, we confess the God we believe in, not just some generic God, but the true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the creeds, we say back to God what he first said to us. When we recite the creeds, we are confessing what is most certain and true. We share this in common with our Pentecost Alliance churches. By the grace of God, he has planted us here in this neighborhood. By the same grace of God, we have remained here these 113 years. He has allowed us to be involved in many things in our neighborhood that we could not have imagined just a few years ago. Who would have thought that we would be involved in housing, renovating 12 buildings into 47 apartments so that people could live in very good apartments and pay considerably less than the market rates? I'm not going to go into a list here, but I will mention that a school just across the street, Eagle Prep Academy, we could not afford to run a school anymore, but our building is being leased and used as a charter school that serves a lot of the neighborhood kids, far more than we had when we had our own school. And we've used a lot of the lease money to help the after-school Christian program campus. And now with the ARC, we are going to be running a Christian after-school program so the kids can continue to hear and learn about Jesus and his amazing love for them. We have been partnering 
with CFNA for a long time in their many ministries. And we've gotten to know people we would otherwise not have known. Many Nepali people have been baptized and confirmed here. Today, by God's grace, I lead a Bible study with Congolese youth online. They've been very consistent in attending, to my surprise. Now, I doubt if many of you have heard about St. Trinity in the Patch neighborhood of Carondelet. The first time I heard the name, I thought somebody just said it wrong and that they meant Trinity in Sular. So when it was time for one of our monthly pastors' meetings, I drove straight there. When I was busting, I asked where the meeting was. They asked, what meeting? And I told them. They said, not here. It's at St. Trinity. So I had to ask for the address and use my GPS to quickly get there. In those days, it looked certain that the church would close in a very short time. It had less than 20 members attending, probably closer to 10 or 15, and the pastor was retiring. Thank God, closing down and selling a Lutheran church is very complicated. <laughs> Today, it has gone from 2% of people in the neighborhood as members to a good 30% within walking distance of the church. It is amazing how God works. The idea of engaging with neighbors is still challenging, for a lot of the people in the neighborhood are economically poor. But things are happening. They have a wonderful food pantry. From almost dead to living and thriving, St. Trinity is part of the Alliance. Praise be to God for their work. We share things in common. I have only highlighted for us and a little bit about St. Trinity. But great things are happening in the Alliance churches all over. A couple of them are mega churches, really big churches. But all of us together, small or large, worship the same one great God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. To him alone be all the glory and majesty, both now and forever. Amen. And now we rise to confess our common faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. 